Welcome to Talking Home Renovations with House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My specialty is additions and renovations to older homes, incorporating new technologies and sustainable practices. Since 2019, we have covered so much about home renovations, from foundations to roofing, how to hire design professionals and contractors, DIY challenges, sustainability, women in renovations, and so many home renovation stories from all of you. This is my final regular episode, wrapping up four years of consistent publication of this. At the end of the episode, I'll let you know what the next steps are going to be. In this episode, my guest is Lori Hewitt-Hiller, who is an architect from Michigan, and she shares her experience of renovating her mid-century modern home, also her tips on working with an architect, how to find a contractor, and what to look for in a contractor. Here's my conversation with Lori. Welcome to the show, Lori. I'm really, I'm really glad you could come on, and I'm very excited to hear about your house. Why don't you tell, you live in Michigan, you happened upon yes. this great house that you said you are now on your third renovation of it. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, sure. So uh, just a a little bit about who I am. Um, So I'm an architect and uh, I went to University of Michigan, spent my early formative years in Los Angeles, uh, starting my career, moved back here in 20, uh, end of 2009, early 2010. Um, for my husband's business initially, but um, also this is a great place to be an architect at this uh, point in history. There's just so much opportunity uh, with redevelopment in Detroit, uh, and that really was a mission for me to come back to my hometown and really build things uh, here. So uh, developing my own community has been really uh, a great uh, growth trajectory for my career over the last uh, what 13 years, I guess, since I've been back. So um, I'm currently a principal at Macintosh Porous Architects. Uh, we're in uh, Birmingham and Detroit, and we are a commercial and residential practice uh, really uh, formed around uh, building up Detroit and revitalizing Detroit. So now my house, uh, when we moved back here, I, of course, had uh, seen amazing examples of mid-century modern architecture in the L.A. area. And those homes, of course, were out of reach for a young architect. But coming to Michigan in uh, 2010, where the real estate market was at rock bottom, was a great opportunity for a first-time home buyer. So my husband and I uh, were looking for homes uh, in the metro Detroit area and uh, happened upon the house that we uh, ended up buying. Actually, my mom saw the house listing first. Good old moms. Yeah. (laughs) So she happened upon uh, this listing, and it was not too far from where I grew up, actually. Um, which seemed kind of odd. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to live uh, really close to where I grew up after having lived 2,000 miles mm-hmm. away for a while. But uh, nevertheless, we came to see the house and it was amazing, just uh, a real a real gem. And uh, we put in an offer and uh, here we are. We've been here for 13 years. So um, the house was built in 1964. It was a uh, design by Irving Tabachman, who is a well-known uh, prolific architect in the uh, metro Detroit area, just a ton of modern homes that he designed around here. Uh, so we were very lucky to get a house of such pedigree as first time yeah. home buyers. Um, our home is uh, a little smaller than uh, I think the homes that he is known for tend to be a little bit larger, but our house at 2,500 square feet was a perfect, uh, 
perfect first home for us and still even a family home now at this point for us. But having purchased this home as only the second mm-hmm. homeowner, um, it really was in, uh, you know, you hear the like time capsule. It really was a time capsule, but not in a bad way by any means, because this house, uh, not that it ever is, but being that it was designed by Tabachman, it really was a a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say higher end, but a little bit higher quality, let's say, than just a, a general um, suburban mid-century. Mm. So it had some nice material finishes, um, a great open floor plan, um, a surprisingly large master closet for that mm. that era. So we had some good starting points, um, just needed to uh, really refresh a few things that um, were in a little bit of disrepair. But so my first round of renovations in 2010, when we first bought the home, we were able to live in the apartment we were renting at the time in Birmingham while we did the renovations to the house. And I acted as GC for those renovations, which was a challenge. But uh, we renovated the kitchen. We renovated the bathrooms flooring we had great uh existing 18 by 18 slate tile throughout many of the portions of the home that we kept it was in amazing shape on a very thick mud bed just Mm. super solid not going anywhere so that was awesome didn't have to change that but we did change out of course carpet and then in the in the bathrooms and the kitchen really tried to stay true to what had been there um the floor plan didn't really change the floor plan too much in those areas but refreshing the materials and um, using my approach to mid-century renovations is really to be very sensitive to it and to pick up on the existing material palette and existing design and you know the 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 proportions all Mm. those things so we had existing we do have some existing um, walnut in the house a a huge um, what we like to call the mad men wall in the living room which is a a huge uh, paneled walnut wall with black reveals so yeah, that beautiful. um that also oh yeah i think if i'll send you a picture it's very cool so that's that was one of the key features of the home also uh the module of that was sort of repeated on the front of the cabinetry in the kitchen so i was very heartbroken to demo that but we really replaced it in kind in a, a slightly adjusted floor plan trying to get a, an overhang on the island and have an overhang so just some slight tweaks to it and updating of it after 50 years it really was in need of replacement so though it was heartbreaking to demo that existing kitchen cabinetry um we we did it we replaced it um in in somewhat in kind with the walnut finish again and a similar line of the cabinets were all 18 inches above the counter surface, we raised it up to two feet so that we could have a clean line kind of going over the, the cooktop. It was 18 inches above the cooktop was a little low previously. So there's just some funny things, you know, and like the old new tone fan where you could like stick your <laughs> hand in and <laughs> yeah. some of these things, you know, you just have to, you could, yes, you can keep it, but mm-hmm. for livability, I think there's always two things you have to weigh in these situations. It's like your lifestyle and livability you know, you're not living in a museum, You, even though it is heartbreaking sometimes to change these things. It's like this is your lifestyle and the house is all about you know being lived in. So okay. it's just for me, it's yeah, it's about trying to maintain that design intent, but um, adapting it to your lifestyle. So that was that was really the goal with the, the kitchen renovation. It, it, honestly, if you saw before and after picture, it looks very similar, but just those little tweaks that made it livable made it work for us and as our as we started a family 
um, it worked out well. Like we had to get rid of a, the, the kitchen actually had doors that closed it in mm. and it was like, we, you know, we don't, we're not going to have doors. We just left it as a, a framed opening, but no door. We don't need a door with a knob on it to the kitchen. You no, know? Um, no, you don't. It's weird. They used to have that a lot. Have the doors to the kitchen. Yeah. 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 Thinking about it. I mean, luckily this kitchen was pretty, it is pretty spacious. So we were, we didn't have any issues with that eat in kitchen with kind of a U shape. Um, and it did have a double acting door to the dining room, but when it was in the open position, which it always would have been, it completely covered a window, uh, floor to ceiling window. So I was like, eh, we, we felt bad about that one too, but it just, you know, we would, it would just have been in the way all these years. So yeah. we kind of, I approached it as just kind of, tweaking it for our lifestyle, but keeping that design intent and trying to work with the existing palette and what was appropriate from the era Yeah. Um, with the uh, updates. So I, I read about your backsplash that you wanted to be very glossy so you could see behind you. I thought that was, I thought that was good. Um, yes. So is that so that you can feel a little more engaged with what's happening behind you? Cause the whole thing's oriented toward the walls basically yes yeah, so when uh we the original sink uh location in that uh kitchen was against the wall and i swear every single person was like you should put it on the other side in the um peninsula portion the island if you will it's not really an island it's a u-shape but um you know i i prefer that that is more like a layout like layout space really like you could have a buffet on it people now that it's a has an overhang as an island i didn't want the sink in that but if we had put the sink that way, you would be looking out the window. So um, basically you're looking at a wall. So the idea with, with the glossy tile is you get that reflection. Mm. It feels more open and you can kind of see what's going on a little bit behind you. Mm -hmm. It's not mirrored by any means, but it, it kind of reflects the light and you can see a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I love that idea. I might have to use that sometime if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you didn't work with an architect yourself because you're the architect and you kind of right. you did meet the architect, the actual architect of the house at one point at your housewarming party? Yes. Yeah. So um, in 2014, we celebrated the 50th birthday of the home. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, of course, we had finished this first round of renovations, hadn't, hadn't done the second yet, but um, we had this uh, party to celebrate the 50th birthday of the house. And I invited Irving to Bachman and I had met him previously, actually, before we bought the house, um, went to his home in Birmingham and showed me around. And uh, he was really a wonderful man. I invited him to the party of the house and he came and uh, we had a birthday cake for the house. He blew out the candles. <laughs> he signed the blueprint, original blueprints that we have for the house. <laughs> awesome. uh, it was just really it was really fun. And the, the party actually was uh, 60s themed. So people were encouraged to wear 60s uh, vintage oh, clothing. Man, that is great. Do you have any photos from that? <laughs> I do have some photos from that. Love yeah, to see that. That's 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 wonderful. I love I love that kind of thing. You acted as your own GC. So yes. what are your reflections on that? I know a lot of people ask me about doing that themselves, and they're not in mm -hmm. the building industry at all. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is doable, but I will say for my second round of renovations and now the third uh, phase I'm about to embark on, I. I'm not going to be the GC. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of challenges with it. I think it worked for my first one because of I, I kind of was doing some contract work at the time. I was more flexible in my work schedule and um, able to devote a significant amount of time to it. And, uh, you know, we weren't living in the house at the time either. So if things stretched on longer, it was kind of OK. We could kind of roll with that. 
So I think it's doable. And I think the challenges with it, though, are you have to really be on top of scheduling everything and on top of finding really good uh, subcontractors, Mm -hmm. all the trades, you know, whereas if you're working with a general contractor, they have subcontractors that are trusted that they know will do a good job. And that is very helpful. And they are in charge of making sure people are coming in at the right time, you know, so that it's going to go smoothly and sequentially. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely doable. And for myself as an architect, I, you know, I've got, uh, I was able to get discounts on materials like tile and whatnot, designer discounts. So that helped. I mean, it definitely, it was, it was okay for that first one, but for the second time we renovated, which was um, to finish off our lower level after we had had our first son that we did in uh, 20, 2018, we finished it in 2019. So we was right around when I had my second son that we did that. That I did uh, hire a GC because it just was too much. I was working at that time um, full time in Detroit at a corporate firm, and I just had a, a busy, um, busy schedule, and it was just too much. So having a, a GC in charge of uh, getting it all done was really helpful. But of course, I was the designer, drew the plans, and selected all, all materials. But, right. Um, yeah. That time it was it was helpful and. For that, I mean, you can actually see behind me. I'm in my lower level office. Oh, are you? Um, yes. I like that. And that's a so George the, Nelson the lamp behind ceiling. you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I, at first, I thought that was just a fake background because a lot of people have a, fa- a fake background of a cool space oh. to be in. <laughs> that's your real space. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, we had to had to do the lower level project after I had my second son because the house is a three bedroom house. And uh, we wanted each son to have a bedroom. So my office was taken away Mm. and I needed a new office space. So um, we decided to finish off the basement and we have an office down here, a playroom and lounge area and a a workout room and a full bath and laundry room. And then a pretty good sized storage room that's under our sunken living room because the head height is quite low. Mm -hmm. I think I'm one of the few people that can walk around without hitting my head on some ductwork in there, but it's a great for a storage room. All right. You're an architect and you do residential work as well. So I wanted to get some advice from you about working with architects and finding contractors. So what would you tell people who want to work? I mean, this is a whole, this is a huge topic, right? But what would you say are like, you know, a couple tips for working with architects? So um, being that I am an architect, I have a dual perspective because I'm my own client on my own projects. And then, of course, professionally, I have a lot of clients, both commercial and residential. So working with myself as a client um, is challenging. And I try to put my husband in the client shoes, but really, I'm the client. I I think when I work with myself as a client, uh, what is helpful and even with other people as my client being very clear on what you want and that the communication of what it what it is that you want uh what's your program what's the look feel that you like having inspiration images whether it's pinterest something like that to be able to communicate if you know the client has something in their head what they're thinking what their desires and wishes are And to be able to communicate that in a good way is super important. And sometimes as a client, you don't necessarily know what you want and you need the architect to, and that's the architect's job is to interpret whatever 
pieces they're being given and create something with that. But the, the more you can be clear about what your starting point is, uh, the better, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a spectrum, isn't it, between people telling you exactly what they want, like, I want exactly this, and then also just not wanting to tell you at the other end, not wanting to tell you to see what you can come up with. And so, but you, you need yeah. to know something about how they live or how they expect to yeah. live in their space. So working together on that is the best way to go, I think, and like trusting yes. your architect to interpret your desires. Yeah. And it's definitely like an iterative process and it's about dialogue and, you know, it's not like you're just going to, at least in our practice, we're not like, oh, here you go. This is it. You know, it's a back and forth and it's a process. So it takes it takes a little bit of time. It's not going to be uh, in your own home uh, or on a project. It's it's just, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get to something that is, you know, this is it. Um, yeah, it's true. It's not a quick thing. No, it's not. Yeah. And I brought this up a number of times over the years, but, you know, the HGTV is giving maybe <laughs> an impression, a different impression than than what I find to be reality anyway. It's not as quick and it's just not, it is a lot more involved. I've seen some of these shows where the people just show up and they're, it's done. Right. Actually, I saw one recently where the lady was crying. Have you seen that? Where she went off camera and she was really disappointed and you could just, you could hear her sobbing and her husband saying, she's just not happy. <laughs> oh, I had to laugh at that one because. Well, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, what, that's what can happen when have... it's too fast. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you end up with something that's not at all like what you wanted. Yeah. So that's why it's important to communicate. You know, whatever you have in, as a client in your head, mm-hmm. communicate that with your uh, architect or designer, because otherwise they're not going to know what, you know, yeah. what you're looking for or what what you like. Um, yep. And, you know, we as architects, we have a vision, but ultimately, you know, it's your house. It want You want it to be something that you're going to be comfortable with. And it's your money that you're spending to do that. So, you know, it's not the fountainhead like, you know, no. can't we have to we have to come to something that's going to make you happy. It's it's an artistic or architectural vision, but it's a it's a collaboration between the client and the architect. Yeah, definitely. And then what about finding a contractor? You how did you find the contractor that you've used for previous, you know, when you when you hired one? How did you find that person? Finding contractors can be tricky, um, especially residential, because there's so many out there, um, smaller operations. Um, but word of mouth and reputation are kind of the two things that I've found to be uh, honestly the best ways. It's like, you know, who do you know that's worked had a project lately that had a good, um, great contractor they recommend? I'm talking to other architects that are working on residential who's a good contractor partner you've worked with lately just um you know boots on the ground just talking to people in the industry you know trusting people's reputations uh, the work that they've done in the past if, if it's just like some random person you found online i don't know you know you need to really do your homework and get references find out what they what they've done in the past and um that they're going to be able to do a good job so this might be a hard question, but what do you think is the most important aspect to a contractor? What do you look for in a contractor? Yeah, integrity is huge that they're going to uh, complete the job and uh, not overpromise and under deliver. So uh, definitely uh, the integrity and then um, don't go with the lowest bidder, <laughs> um, you know. 
you have to, you know, if you get it multiple bids, I mean, don't, don't just automatically go with the lowest bidder. I mean, you need to really look at what exactly uh, is included in each estimate that you've received, understand what their reputation is, get references, look at the work. Um, So for me, quality of the work being that I have a mid-century modern home. Yeah. Um, some, the contractor needs to understand this aesthetic and understand the detailing and the quality and be willing to do that. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, a suburban colonial, there's certain detailing and certain things that have to be done a little bit differently in a house like this. Um, so the understanding acknowledgement of that and craftsmanship, uh, that's very important. And we look for that in all of the contractors that we work with for our clients as well. Yeah. If you go to see somebody's work and the craftsman, the finished carpentry is sloppy or whatever, then you don't even know what's going on behind the walls. Right. What I, my, I think if you're if, if the contractor can accept a kind of shoddy final product, mm-hmm. what were they accepting throughout the project? You got to wonder. Right. Having said that, I have some very beautiful framing that's going to be covered up soon in my own thing. <laughs> anyway, you have any any last tips for home home renovations? You know, my my frame of reference for home renovations uh, comes from renovating my own home and then working with uh, clients professionally. Um, And we have done quite a lot of mid-century renovations, but um, I think being uh, cognizant of what you're starting with. So, for instance, starting with a mid-century modern house, looking at the renovations as a kind of sensitive update to those things. for, that's how sort of I approach it. And when we do mid-century modern renovations, we have professionally as well. Um, looking at that at the updates as an extension or um, kind of compatible with what's there, uh, not kind of sticking out like a sore thumb, yeah. you know, um, just being, being sensitive to the design, um, you know, and for me in my next round of renovations, I'm, re- I'm uh, renovating the master suite. We had a bit of a mold issue with the shower pan that's precipitating that. But um, we are unfortunately going to uh, replace the existing cabinets in there. Previously, I kept all the existing cabinets in the two bathrooms upstairs. But um, in that, just really trying to make sure that what I'm putting in is compatible and is going to feel cohesive with what we originally had to be respectful of the um the original design yeah so i mean i think that's a tip i mean sometimes i think you know you could also look at it a different way um if you have a very historic home you know the secretary of the interior standards talk about of course making the the new insertions be very clearly new so that's another thing to think about uh in terms of the historic renovations is like what's new is new what's old is old and be very clear about it so that's another approach that is another approach it's hard when you live in a house that may be 200 plus years old and people across the centuries have made all sorts of changes as they go along so it's not a museum like you're saying so and like for those it's like uh when we do these work these things professionally and you know like when you get the tax credits and everything you have to establish that period of significance Mm -hmm. that you're trying to all like kind of compare back to like what was the significant period of that home that is the standard kind of. But dealing with the history of a house and, you know, how you're continuing its legacy somehow is, is pretty interesting to me. Right. So, yeah. And I think the the legacy thing uh, <laughs> with having the original architect back at my house, 
uh, for that party. That was uh, an interesting moment. I was like, oh, what is he going to think about the changes that I made? And they, they were not major changes by any means, but he was fine with it, actually. So I was like, hmm. all right, I feel OK about Good. this. You got the stamp of approval from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how can people see your work? You told me that you were in a book that has been published recently. Yeah, so my home uh, was featured uh, along with uh, 69 other homes. So it's a collection of 70 uh, modern homes in the Detroit area. It's called Detroit Modern 1935 to 1985 by uh, Peter Forguson. And that is available uh, on Amazon and other places. Um, so that is an, an awesome book of uh, just a collection or um, archive of all of these amazing modern gems in the Detroit area. Hmm. Uh, so that the home is featured there. And then um, you uh, saw that article from a while ago now. I think it was 20... I think it was 2016, but they updated it in February yeah, this year as well. So that there was an article, Mid-Century Mance in a local publication here. And then, um, yeah, my firm's work has been published very widely. Um, Macintosh Boris Architects. Do you have a house Instagram? A house Instagram. I do not. I have a personal Instagram and we have a firm Instagram. There is no Instagram dedicated to my no. house. Well, too bad. You know, there's a big old house <laughs> Instagram community. Yeah. Actually, one of my clients that we um, we worked with recently, they have an Instagram for their house. Um, it's a Sigmund Bloom designed in Franklin. And I, I know that they have a dedicated Instagram. I so love, I yeah. love snooping around people's houses on that. <laughs> anyway. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me, Lori. This was um, inspiring. I'm going to get your book. I'm going to maybe get that George Nelson lamp. My husband's been oh, trying to get good. me to buy that again for our island. It's a classic. Well, and I don't know if you saw this painting on the back, too, that my dad uh, did that uh, rendering back there. He was a car designer for General Motors. Oh, yeah, yeah I've heard that. And he did yeah. that rendering of your house. Sorry. Is that your house? Uh, it, it, it's a mid-century modern house. I mean, he, he just did these amazing uh, renderings back in the 50s and 60s uh, featuring, I mean, it's cars, but featuring mm -hmm. mid-century, like modern, what well, was the design of the day, you know, of course, uh, so that the houses or buildings were featured along with the cars in his work. Oh, that's awesome. So I have a number of his um, paintings. I mean, that's perfect. At my house. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, good luck with everything. Good luck with your third renovation it was great to meet you nice to meet you too good luck with your renovation too <laughs> yeah thanks it's gonna not ever end as always thanks so much for listening to this episode and to the whole series four years seems like a good point to take a break and then get going with next steps i'll still post from time to time i'll be re-editing old episodes and creating a book from all of this content if there's something you'd like to hear about or if you want to share your experience with the world please send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com we have community on facebook and instagram too i'll still be around just not publishing regularly thanks for a fun four years and until next time Take it easy.